Bizarre is a podcast that deals with mature subject matter that some listeners may find offensive or upsetting. The Bizarre is not recommended for any listeners under 18 years of age. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome to The Bizarre. Hold on, I've got a tempo marker going on for some reason. Okay. <laughs> oh, that was a little yeah. like dun, dun, the beat. Yeah. Okay. Ready? And three, two, one. Nice. Will we ever be on sync? Probably not. I mean, but we, we try. Sometimes within our own little bubbles, we're in sync. So that's what matters. <laughs> yeah. Is it in sync on time? I don't know. Synced. Synced up. Whatever the word for it is. You know what I've realized? In these intros, we've never actually, like, introduced ourselves. Or, like, if we have, I think we maybe did it for, like, one episode where we, like, formally introduced ourselves and the podcast. And after that, it's just been pure, like, debauchery and just uh, Yeah, we don't chaos. really, like, we only, I was saying so. Oh, yeah, no, we don't, we don't, like, formally introduce ourselves at all. So for, no. for people who don't know us listening, they probably don't know who's who what's happening <laughs> maybe we'll never tell them who's who maybe they'll just never know there you go i want them to pick i want them to guess which <laughs> which one is alicia and which one's morgan oh god it's fine enjoy you'll never know please enjoy please at this <laughs> at this point we function as just one semi-competent human being exactly so i can just have at that <laughs> i i was trying to think of what I was going to say to you here in the intro and I was like, what has been spicing up my life? Like what has been new? And I'm like, mm, well, there's the state of emergency in Ontario. That's new. That's zesty. State of emergency part take two. And also the rules has, haven't changed. I don't No, I don't know why we're calling it a state of emergency because it's just the same lockdown. It's just don't leave your house, but we're going to keep all of the things open that you don't need to go to. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Today, <sighs> today is Wednesday when we're recording. Officially, officially, I'm using air quotes. Ontario goes into a state of emergency on Thursday. That's what I've been told. Yeah, but like, I'm going to, like, listen, I am someone who has, throughout this pandemic, has worked both, like, an essential, um, a theater job that just got shut down, an essential business job, like a, uh, uh, I worked in a um, grocery store for a while, mm -hmm. a warehouse job, and a retail job, and a You've hospitality and a hospitality job. All, all right. within the pandemic because I keep getting freaking bounced around by everything. But point being, mm -hmm. all of those jobs are now closed aside from the warehouse job and the grocery store job. That being said. As much as I know that it's important for those businesses to stay open for their like th like their well-being financially, I really think just everything except for grocery stores and pharmacies need to get shut down. Like everything. Yeah, I have, like I just want them to pick a lane and stay in it. Like if we have to go back to where it was at Mar this is getting like very heated and political right now at the beginning of our podcast episode. <laughs> but my whole thing is, it's just like, if we have to go back to the way it was at March, then let's just buckle down and do it. We have, there's places like Australia and New Zealand and like places like the Philippines, 
Taiwan, places in Japan, like places that are fully functional again. Wuhan, the place where this started, not like not saying that this is like their problem, but like the place where the virus was first found, fine now. Fine. Yeah. When they were at their worst because they locked down, they didn't open anything. Every state, everybody stayed at home for like a month, eradicated. That's literally all we need to do, especially because there's a vaccine now. Like if we, everyone stays at home, we get like, there's no more spreading of the virus. And then we give the vaccine to people who need it. Like it just, it would be so much easier and it would be better for the economy and better. Like everyone's like, but we can't shut the business down because we won't have money. And it's like, you shut down for a month and then you don't have to deal with this for another year. (laughs) Yeah. It just seems like people are not willing to... I keep thinking for some reason of Game of Thrones, the fact that like everyone's like winter is coming and everyone must buckle down and shut everything and like deal with the White Walkers. I'm like, this is our winter is coming. Like we just need to buckle down, close everything and get through it. I, I've been on the flip side of this. I haven't been bumped around. I've been one of the lucky few to not be bumped around, but I've been doing like an online job, two online jobs throughout this pandemic and I, I can understand how people are, are tired of staring at their same four apartment walls. Like, I get it. You're tired of your kids. You're tired of your significant other. Hell, sometimes you're even tired of your pets or your roommates. But in the grand scheme of things, that isn't that big of a challenge to try and overcome. Like People are, uh, to quote my favorite line in the Kardashians ever, people are dying, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Kim Kardashian, oh, did did Kanye West sleep with Jeffree Star during a pandemic? Uh, <laughs> when did that affair happen? Does anyone know? So, like, what were Kanye's priorities? He was like, global pandemic, gotta get in there with Jeffree Star. So what I'm aware of is a that apparently we're Jeffrey, slowly turning this into a celebrity podcast. Oh my god, amazing! This celebrity is gossip. this is what I've always wanted. Um. E News After Dark, the Walmart version of E News. Um, (laughs) We're the off-brand E News. uh, From what I'm aware of, what happened is that that whole thing came out, and then apparently Jeffree Star. I haven't looked into it. Jeffree Star posted a video, like being like, "Of course he did." But like, I think the best part about apparently the best part about the video is the fact that he doesn't just like straight up deny that him and Kanye slept together. Instead, he goes, "I go for taller men." (laughs) so not only does he like mostly deny that he slept with kanye he like he just kind of kicks him in the knees when he does it but (laughs) but apparently i don't know apparently people have been finding all of these like really old tweets and stuff from jeffree star from back in like 2010 and like back in his like because jeffree star used to be a part of like the music scene for for anyone like myself who remembers MySpace and that whole thing, he was like a huge MySpace like singer. You can find his music online; it's horrible. But I totally forgot that was a thing before he did me or before he did makeup. He was like a an aspiring musician, and it was it was interesting. Uh, but like, there's tweets and stuff oh from back boy. in that era that like connect him with Kanye. So I don't know. So, I gotta know, has this been, like, a long-lasting affair? That's, like, 
That was our that was our little celebrity news corner. You're yeah. all welcome for that <laughs> strange diversion. Once again, just a situation just... in which like something horrible politically is happening, but then also there's just some weird pop culture thing that you're like, wait, what? <sighs> yeah, I I suppose we should we should briefly mention that because our episode last week came out in the thick of what happened in D.C. and we had pre-recorded that episode. Yeah. Like 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 a week before. Yeah, we didn't. We weren't specifically ignoring it. We just it, past us no. were not privy to a full on right domestic terrorist attack, which is what it is. <laughs> yeah, and obviously Morgan and I have reiterated this several times. We are not experts in politics or science or healthcare, whatever. We're just two chicks with wild opinions. And obviously what I'm going to say is, is like hundreds and thousands of people have said this. It was a domestic terrorist attack. And there is no place in my world for Trump supporters at this at this stage in the game. There wasn't before, but especially not now. That is a very strong public stance to take. And I'm going to root myself in it. Yeah. Especially it after It shouldn't be a strong public stance to take because people who That's support true. Trump are supporting literal racism and sexism and homophobia. But mm-hmm. here we are. Um, yeah. And also we're Canadian. So like we don't have the best outlook on... Not saying that Canada's better. Canada also has horrendous, racist, xenophobic things that happen. However, yeah. um, um, but with that being said, uh, yeah, yeah, what happened in D.C. Yeah. is horrible. Um, the fact that people were allowed into that Capitol building to do what they did yeah meanwhile there have been many peaceful protests for human rights that have been met with riot gear and death is uh says says enough in itself (laughs) oh absolutely yeah the fact that basically police officers were like oh no ah can't do anything that's too bad. I guess we'll have to let you in. And like I, I've seen, I've seen footage of the of the officer that was. I don't know if you saw this, Morgan. That was trapped, that was pinned against a door, and like that was really terrifying. Yeah. And the other one who lost their life, and then the one, the singular one police officer who's running up the stairs away from a horde because that's what they are—a horde of white supremacists. And it's just one guy with a little baton. I was like, this poor guy, like this, ah, terrifying. Yeah. Anyways, he was the leading world, him. Twenty twenty one. He was leading them. He was leading an entire crowd of angry, violent people away from unprotected senators that were trying to rightfully count votes in a democracy. But God forbid. Yeah, people were like going off about how he should have fought them. I was like, you want one person of color who's also a police officer to fight a horde of white supremacists on the staircase ridiculous wow 2021 is a really awful sequel to 2020 that's what i've been saying 2020 was the prequel and now we have 2021 god forbid the rest of 2020 is just sequels like 2022 i really (laughs) i really hope that by 2030 
it's just Ugh. if this is the next like 10 years of my life i'm not okay I, i'm gonna lose my mind yeah oh god mm-hmm. all right yeah what do you what do you have for us today before i just completely continue to go off the deep end because that's where we're headed i mean yeah oh, it's a one-way ticket i will say what i have today isn't like it's not fun <laughs> oh but good. it's not it's not gruesome. It's just, uh, it, it's, I don't know how to explain it without just getting into it. Um, it's definitely. So it's obviously murder. Yes. It's not going to restore your faith in humanity. It might just leave you a little bit confused. Um, Honestly, nothing ever will at this point. I'm just going <laughs> to say that. I know this sounds really negative, but. But um, I, uh, to start off, I thought, um. I would ask a question. Tell me, Alicia. I love these. I love when you do yes. this. Yeah, Tell okay. me, Alicia. Um, have you ever bought over-the-counter medication? Yeah. Advil. Who the fuck hasn't in 2020? And have you ever thought to yourself, hmm, I wonder when and why they started sealing these products the way they did? oh i know where this is going Hmm, yes morgan i have why have they started sealing these products it's funny you should say that because there's actually a very horrifying and and sad reason as to why medical products such as tylenol are now sealed have safety seals on them when you buy them in pharmacies uh shit (laughs) Because today I'm going to be talking about the 1980 Chicago Tylenol murders. Uh, <laughs> um, this one creeps me out so much. I mean, any unsolved crime really creeps me out. But this one, this one's. I think it's just because it involves such. I'm not going to say anything. I'll let you yeah. do your thing. Um, I'm just gonna. I do want to start this off by saying that the irony of this is that literally seconds before we started the Zoom call, I popped two Tylenols. So, um, <laughs> Ooh. thanks, Tylenol. And that's how she died. Anyone who takes SSRIs knows that they can't also take anti-inflammatories with them. So Tylenol is our only saving grace because Advil is not allowed. <laughs> Fun fact. I fucking forgot that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just went back on my SSRIs. <laughs> Throw out that Advil. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> Anyways, continue. Reminder to anyone <laughs> taking SSRIs. No pomegranate, no anti-inflammatories, no charcoal. <laughs> Wait, can you like use a face mask that's charcoal? Yeah, you just can't ingest it. Charcoal in general. Okay, I'm so glad we, I'm so glad we covered this. Charcoal in general just nullifies the effect of most medication. It's not even just <laughs> SSRIs. Oh, all right, great. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> continue, continue. And this is Morgan's medical corner. Um, <laughs> so, nice. um, all right, let's just get into it. Um, it's a given today that many grocery store items, medicine, vitamin, orange juice, <laughs> comes with a safety seal. Um, do not purchase product if safety seal is not present is something that we've become accustomed to reading on our products usually not even something that we think of anymore we just think yeah of course like if the little tab's not still on it i'm not gonna 
open it if right. if the seal has been broken i'm gonna be like what the hell i've never come across anything like that but no neither have i but that being said the one single product that we have to thank for this is tylenol because 34 years ago safety seals didn't exist Clothes items at stores just came with a top, maybe a cotton swab shoved in there if there's medicine. I still remember, I'd obviously I wasn't alive when safety seals weren't a thing, but I still remember um, getting medication. You're secretly 40? Yeah. I still remember getting medication that had the safety seal, but then you open the seal and there there's like a cotton swab in it for some reason. I don't know why. Is that not a thing anymore? Apparently no. I don't think so. When did that stop being a thing? Does anyone else remember? Because I remember that very yeah, vividly. Yeah, it was usually like gravel that had it for me at least. I don't know, but it's... Yes. All I know is mm-hmm. that I don't think I've gotten a bottle of like Tylenol, Advil, gravel, anything like that in the past like five years that I've had the little cotton ball in it. But this researching this reminded me of that just very specific memory. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, fair. So anyway... Uh, there were no elaborate seals to prevent anyone from tampering with the product. And as recently as 1982, it was deemed completely unnecessary because it hadn't even been thought of that someone would tamper with over-the-counter medication. Um, But a three-day scare that centered on Tylenol, the number one non-prescription painkiller in the country, changed the lives of Americans forever. Um, I didn't look into this, but I don't know whether or not safety seals are the same everywhere like i'd imagine because like we as canadians also have safety seals so i would i would think so right like but maybe at least north american ones are the same because i know a lot of things crisscross over from here in the states Mm -hmm, exactly um so what i'm talking about is a three-day period in which seven people lost their lives from September 29th to October 1st, 1982, all collapsing suddenly after ingesting an extra-strength Tylenol pill, one of several that were found during an investigation that had been laced with a beyond-fatal amount of potassium cyanide. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah, cyanide ain't all that good. No, you know, it's not, it's not edible. It's not edible. I it's don't not recommend it. <laughs> Would not recommend <laughs> ingesting any dosage of cyanide. Oh my god, that is. I'm still continue. I'm so. I'll interject. I'm baffled yeah. by a lot of. Okay. Um. Ugh. So early on the morning of September 29th, 1982, a tragic medical mystery began with a sore throat and a runny nose. It was then that Mary Kellerman, a 12-year-old girl from Elk Grove Village, which is a suburb in Chicago. I told her mother and father about her symptoms. They gave her one extra strength Tylenol capsule that, unbeknownst to them, was laced with cyanide, and Mary was dead by 7 a.m. Which, I'm going to be honest, like 80s, once again, uh, the 80s, just weird (laughs) in general. I don't think I would, I wouldn't take and or give a Tylenol for a sore throat and a runny nose. That... Am I crazy? I if there's a fever. Yeah. I, I think if, if someone has a fever, yeah. So maybe like she had a fever with maybe, her sore throat. Yeah. Um, what's... I forgot what I was going to say. Like I usually... I, I take Tylenol for like headaches. 
and i'll take like i'll I, take like a cold like tylenol cold and flu but maybe that's it was the 80s so maybe tylenol cold and flu didn't exist possibly i think what's I think it's just, like, <laughs> this podcast sounds like we're constantly shitting on the 1980s, but, like, the 80s were fucking Yeah, weird. I just, yeah, I don't know that I would, I don't, I just don't know that I would take a Tylenol for a sore throat or a runny nose, but that's just me. These were the people who wore parachute pants, so yeah, I feel true. like any argument are, we make yeah. is gonna just soundboard off that. These are latchkey kids, like, it's shocking that they weren't just thrown, like, a shot of whiskey to get it done, you know? So, it's... Honestly, they might as well have done that because anything else was not as helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, So, um, back to the dead 12-year-old. Sorry. Oh, my God. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I didn't know how to segue back into that. Back to the dead 12-year-old. So, within a week, her death would panic the entire nation. And only months later, it changed the way we purchase and consume over-the-counter medications forever. Uh, The same day... A 27-year-old postal worker named Adam Janice of Arlington Heights, Illinois, died of what was initially thought to be a massive heart attack, but turned out to be cyanide poisoning as well. Um, His brother and sister-in-law, Stanley and Teresa, Stanley, who was 25, and Teresa, who was 19, um, of Liesel, Illinois, rushed to his home to console their loved ones. Within that, both of them experienced throbbing headaches, not an uncommon response to crying all day because your family member is dead. And each took an extra strength Tylenol capsule for, um, or two from the same bottle that Adam had used earlier in the day. Stanley died that very day and Teresa died two days later. Um, yeah. Over the next few days, three more strange deaths occurred. Um, 27-year-old Mary Reiner in Winfield, Illinois, was at home in, uh, and, sorry, was at home and just a week after giving birth to her fourth child ingested one of the poison Tylenols. Um, Mary McFarland, 31, of Elmhurst, Illinois, was working um, at a Bell Store? Illinois Bell Store in Lombard. I don't know what that is, but. I don't think it's Bell Canada. I'm going to say that. <laughs> yeah. going to throw that out there. Um, also died due to the Tylenol. Paula Prince um, and Paula Prince, who was a 35-year-old flight attendant for United Airlines, was found dead in her Chicago apartments two days after purchase- purchasing Tylenol at a Walgreens nearby. So that's seven people dead. Holy, that is such a quick... Um... Seven people dead in over three days. Um, and over the next few days, or sorry, uh, it was at this point in early October of 1982 that the investigation, the investigators made the connection between the poisoning deaths and the Tylenol. Um, Tylenol, like I said, was the best selling non-prescription pain reliever sold in the United States at the time. Um, these capsules specifically were gelatin based capsules they were especially popular because they were slick and easy to swallow. If anyone has used those, they're like the little, like they're the, you know, a Tylenol gel, fast acting, all that shit. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, each victim swallowed a Tylenol capsule laced with a lethal dose of cyanide. Um, a the, and w- no one was able to figure out whether or not the entire, like it was, like an entire shipment that had been laced. If it was even all the whole bottle that had been laced um 
clearly probably was seeing as god but um so a multi-agency investigation found the tampered pills to have been sold on shelves at a variety of stores around chicago um and the surrounding area in illinois they were sold um at multiple uh jewel foods which i guess were a kind of like combination like supermarket drugstore kind of like a shoppers here in kingston or kingston oh my god oh. <laughs> here in canada did you just move us back to kingston on us- we just escaped that place morgan <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> i'm in canada <laughs> um a so they were found yeah um at multiple jewel foods um a osco drugstore um a Woodfield Mall where two laced bottles were found um, and a Walgreen drugstore as well as a Frank's Finer Foods. <laughs> Just a... What's up Frank's Finer Foods? I don't know. But like that's they yeah so they were found it wasn't just like one supermarket that they were found in it wasn't like specifically like just Walgreens it wasn't specifically just like one type of supermarket in one location they were found in multiple locations in Chicago and the surrounding area um but so because of these cyanide laced Tylenol bottles that were found um, although they were only found in Chicago, a nationwide recall of Tylenol products was made before any more could be sold. And the string of deaths captured the fear of everyone in Chicago and soon after the entire nation because of this, because no one knew if they could trust their medication. Um, the victims could have been anyone and everyone uh, that had. Oh, no, I don't know what I wrote there. <laughs> like uh, what? Hey. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> Cycle it back. <laughs> um, we'll just go. So the string of deaths obviously captured everyone, uh, the fear of everyone in Chicago and soon after the entire nation because the victims could have literally been anywhere. Almost everyone would buy Tylenol just to deal with normal headaches, cold. And I was gonna say like it's just a, it's a staple product. It's a staple so product exactly. Yeah. So, um, McNeil Consumer Products, which was a uh, subsidiary of the healthcare giant Johnson & Johnson that manufactured Tylenol, um, was the one that dealt specifically with the Tylenol production. Um, And to its credit, the company took an active role with the media in issuing mass warnings and communications and immediately called for a massive recall of more than 31 bottles of Tylenol um, in circulation. The tainted capsules were discovered in early October in a few other grocery stores, like I mentioned, um, but fortunately they had not yet been sold or consumed. And McNeil and Johnson & Johnson offered replacement capsules to those who turned in pills already purchased and a reward for anyone with information leading to the apprehension of the individual or people involved in these random murders. Um, the case continued to confuse police uh, both police, the drug maker itself, and the public at large. For example, Johnson and Johnson quickly established that the Silenol lacing, uh, um, the Silenol what? <laughs> You're doing great. This is going yeah, well. The cyanide lacing occurred after cases of Tylenol left the factory. Uh, someone 
police hypothesized must have taken the bottles off the shelves of the locally grocer, local grocer and drugstore um, in the Chicago area, laced the capsules with the poison, and then returned them to the shelves a lot of to be purchased by the unknowing victims. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, the weird thing about it is that these were so random and, like, like, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Like, it, it's, like, such a random method of murder. See, I see that as very planned. Like, that is a multi-step intricate process for you to do. It's a multi-step. And to not get caught. It's a multi-step intricate process to do, but, like, with such a random outcome is the thing. Oh, yeah, in terms of, in terms of who's affected. Who's affected, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so to this day, however, the perpetrators of these murders have not been found. Um, so sorry to kill the lead as is, but no one knows who (laughs) did it. Um, there is one man named James Lewis who claimed to be the Tylenol killer and wrote a ransom letter to Johnson and Johnson demanding $1 million in exchange for stopping the poisonings. Um, After a lengthy cat and mouse game, police and federal investigators determined that Lewis lived in New York and had no demonstrable links to the Chicago events. That said, he was still charged with extortion and sentenced to 20 years in prison. He was released in 1995 after serving only 13 years. Um, But yeah, there was no way to prove that he was at all connected. I think he just probably wanted money. Um, (laughs) other don't we all yeah and we've seen we even saw last week with the yorkshire ripper like people people latch on to these things people see an opportunity to become infamous for something that they didn't do and they latch on um it's sick it's disgusting yeah so other copycat poisonings involving tylenol and other over-the-counter medications cropped up again in the uh late 1980s early 1990s but I thought you were going to say the 1890s. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Tylenol existed back then? Um, No, they didn't have Tylenol back then. They just had fucking weird medication that was like part arsenic, part opium, part alcohol. I was just going to say opium. Yeah. Um, Non-lethal dosages of lead. (laughs) Like, you know, shit like that. Um, So conspiracy theories uh sorry uh that's not where i was ah <laughs> but these events it's okay just scream scream into the void ah. it's fine um <laughs> so other copycat poisonings involving tylenol and other over-the-counter medications cropped up again in the 1980s and early 1990s but these events were never dram- as dramatic or as deadly as the 1982 chicago area deaths uh, conspiracy theories about the motive and suspects for all these heinous acts continued to be uh, just thrown about on the internet to this day. No one knows. But before the 1982 crisis, Tylenol controlled more than 35% of the over-the-counter pain reliever market. Only a few weeks after the murders, the number plummeted to less than 8%. So people just Holy fucking... crap. Like, obviously, you know? Yeah, I mean, understandably so. I wouldn't yeah. really be dying Like, to... I'm still to this... <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> um, I'm still to this day scared to buy romaine lettuce because of that freaking salmonella outbreak <sighs> that happened, like, 
I was three just years thinking ago, that. You know? I was just thinking, hey, remember when romaine lettuce just or, got canceled? I don't know if anyone else remembers this. This happened in, I think, like, like two th- I want to say, like, 2007 or eight. There was, like, a huge recall on a salmonella outbreak with a maple maple leaf chicken maple leaf yes. is a maple leaf is a I, brand of I do just like that. like pre-cut chicken or like just chicken products like uncooked chicken products that you can get like your just normal meat mm-hmm. you know mass produ- produced meat um and there was a recall in like the late 2000s that was just like salmonella outbreak amongst maple leaf chicken and to this day when i go to buy chicken i don't pick maple leaf because of that like just the no. like the weirdest thing it, and like that shit stays with yeah, you yeah it just sticks in your brain so and like that wasn't even like that wasn't that was just like an issue with like production or like a salmonella outbreak that wasn't like pointed killing you know like this is just this is straight up murder. This is just straight up evil mastermind plot for some reason. Like just weird fucking yep. anyway. Um so obviously that makes sense as to why their consumer base dropped to less than 8%. Um the dire situation both in terms of human life and business made the imperative made it imperative that Johnson and Johnson executives responded swiftly and authoritatively. Um so, for example, Johnson & Johnson developed new product protection methods and ironclad pledges to do better in protecting their consumers in the future. Um, working with FDA officials, they introduced a new tamper-proof packaging, which included foil seals and other features that made it obvious to a consumer if foul play had transpired. These packaging protections soon became the industry standard for all-over-the-counter medications. Um, the company also introduced price reductions and a newer version of their pills called the Caplet, a tablet coated with slick, easy-to-swallow gelatin, but far harder. So oh, those are... That's what that was from. Yeah, so that's... um, The ones I just took, actually, are like... They're like a hard, pressed powder capsule that are coated. Yes. As opposed to the gel capsule, or as opposed to, like, when you get certain like medications that are literally just two little freaking dissolvable like gelatin things that come apart <laughs> yes so that's what that's from yeah I w- i've always kind of been curious about that well i'm learning so much today mm-hmm. guys this is great um so uh yeah it was far harder to tamper with than other capsules which could be easily open laced with a contaminant and then placed back in the uh back in the older non-tamper proof bottle um, so within a year and after an investment of more than a hundred million dollars, Tylenol sales rebounded to its healthy past and became once again, the nation's favorite over the counter pain reliever. Uh, oh, good for you, Tylenol. Good for you, Tylenol. Good for you. <laughs> Big Pharma does you. it again. Good on you. <laughs> wow. Um, so Ugh. critics who prematurely announced the death of the brand Tylenol are now praising the company's handling of the matter. <laughs> Indeed, the, uh, why the, indeed <laughs> indeed 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 the johnson and johnson recall no uh the johnson and johnson recall became a classic case study in business schools across the nation on how to bounce back from something horrifying um but like i'm still like so like i'm so shook like what are there no leads like w- so I'll, i'm about to get into that don't worry um okay thank god because so, i'm just i feel so uh, like 
I feel, is it unsatisfied? This yeah. feels so unresolved. Yeah. So in 1983, the U.S. Congress passed what was called the Tylenol Bill, making it a federal offense to tamper with consumer products. And in 1989, the FDA established federal guidelines for manu- manufacturers to make all such products tamper-proof. Um, sadly, obviously, the tragedies that resulted from the Tylenol poisonings can never be undone. Um, but these deaths obviously inspired a series of important moves to make over-the-counter medication safer. Um, albeit, like, obviously, nothing is ever 100% safe. There are still going to be ways for people to do shit. People are, yeah, people are going to fuck shit up if they want to fuck shit yeah, up. Yeah, obviously, but still people such as yourself, Alicia, um, had questions about what happened. I have so many questions, Morgan. Uh, The accepted theory behind the killings has been centered on a madman pulling the Tylenol bottles from stores, tampering with them, like I said, and placing them back on the shelves. Um, The suspect profile was a man in his 20s, a loner with some knowledge of science, but one who was not successful in life. He may have done it for attention, he could have had a vendetta against Tylenol parent uh, Johnson & Johnson or targeted one of the victims and had the others killed to mask the motive. Um, it's always a white male loner. Yeah. But the thing is, is we It's always a know. white dude who's a yeah. loner. Yeah, that's true. Like 90% of the time. Yeah. So um, other theories. Sorry, I'm yawning directly to the microphone. <laughs> no, it's because I keep yawning. I'm sorry. I did not get a good sleep. It's I haven't my, been sleeping well. It's my fault. I'm an empath. <laughs> At least you know I'm not a it's psychopath. <laughs> um, it's my fault. I just, I feel too much for other people. Um, other theories have come and gone as well. Some have suggested that it was Lori Dan, the woman who shot several children at an elementary school in North Suburban Wintucket. Uh, oh my God, was she a teacher or something? I think I heard about I d- this. I don't know why I said Wintucket. It's not Wintucket. It's Win Winitka. 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 No, we're changing it to Wintucket. <laughs> it's now known Sorry. as Wintucket. <laughs> um, who she? Uh, yeah, she saw shot several children at an elementary school in North Suburban. Uh, when Winitek, <laughs> uh, six years after the Tylenol scale scare what is going on with my brain your 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 brain is um some have said it could have been the unabomber ted kaczynski but most agree that the crime did not fit his pattern it's it's people like it's the classic golden state killer situation where you just you think that maybe the golden state killer was also the zodiac you know yeah, they just keep, like, throwing things at people. Like, maybe it's this guy. Could also be this guy. Also, maybe this guy. That's, like, how people thought H.H. H. Holmes was also Jack the Ripper. People yeah. are trying to, like, fill fill gaps in the plot line. Exactly, um, yeah. Um, wouldn't it be crazy, though, if everything literally was oh God. interconnected like that? Jesus Christ. I feel so uncomfortable just at the yeah. thought. Well, we know the Golden State... We know who the Golden State Killer is now, so it's not that... Well, we have that. We did that, guys. Yeah, we did that. Congratu- <laughs> congratulations. No, Going we didn't. Okay, we didn't do that. Michelle McNamara did we that. We did not. <laughs> no, we are not trying to claim credit at all to no, finding the I, Golden no. State Killer. I full, fully believe the only person who was integral in that was Michelle McNamara. God bless her. <laughs> God bless. God bless our Lord and Savior, Michelle, Michelle McNamara. McNamara. Oh, God. Um, 
<laughs> Praise be. A, a weekly reminder, if you haven't watched I'll Be Gone in the Dark, please do. Or read the book. Either way, it'll make you sob, but it's so good. It's I ugly cried. I don't want to talk about it. Um. So... Uh, yeah, so they think they're all these prolific serial killers. Uh, then Illinois Attorney General Ty F- uh, Fauner said in a Chicago Magazine article marketing the tragedy's 30-year anniversary in 2012 that hundreds of people called in the days after uh, the news broke seeking leads and running leads. So they like there was no way to be able to decipher who was telling the truth. Hundreds of people were just calling in in a panic. Um, but an interesting theory that has risen in recent years and has been backed up by the daughter of one of the crime's seven victims, um, Michelle Rosen, daughter of Mary Rayner, uh, suggested the theory that it wasn't one madman on the loose, but someone that was involved with Johnson and Johnson. So, uh, in a Kickstarter campaign, yeah. Um, in a Kickstarter campaign to raise money for a film to be made that would request the FBI close uh, close the case and unseal the documents in connection with the now 30-plus year investigation, Rosen claims Johnson & Johnson was sent much of the recalled... Oh, my God. Rosen claims Johnson & Johnson was sent mu- um, much of the recalled bottles and only tested about 1% of them. Um, a short documentary claims the theory of a grocery store madman was replayed in the media over and over again and serious investigation into the possible involvement of Johnson and Johnson never occurred. So it wasn't even a thought for people to think, Hey, maybe someone on the inside did this. How did all of these bottles? Well, this was also a time when, when people, like you said, literally left their children unattended at all and times. And trusted so they were like nothing bad is going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And they unequivocally trusted these people. Like it's like the whole thing with birth control. Absolutely. How like, for the longest time, contraceptive was killing women all because they trusted their doctors. Um, but yeah, the amount of trust back then is insane. But obviously in their investigation, nothing has come from the madman belief in over 30 years. So maybe they need to take a different stance. Um, the campaign to raise money for the film generated more than $1,500 from 25 supporters, but it was deemed unsuccessful by Kickstarter. Fuck you, Kickstarter. Um, I had to do a, a, a business project on uh, which crowdsourcing platforms were good, and Kickstarter was not one of them. I've heard Kickstarter is a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> out of all the list of enemies we're making out of this podcast, I'm going to go ahead and just throw Kickstarter, Kickstarter as a company you. on that um, list. <laughs> if the film had been made... <laughs> Them, the Yellow Deli. Yeah, exactly. So many oh others. God, so many people. Um, if the film had been made on this theory, it would have been titled What Really Happened? But nothing ever came of it. Um, when hmm. Lewis's house was uh, on the East Coast was raided in t- 2009, uh, hearkening back to the dude who uh, claimed to be the killer, um, the case was reactivated by authorities, um, and which meant that no one could get into the files because it was an open case. Uh, that's when the whole lie of the story became obvious, says Rosen, um, pointing out that since the case was officially reopened, the documents from the original investigation would again be sealed so they couldn't do anything. Um, she had started reading everything she could to get more 
from the reports and news articles, but because the case was reactivated, she couldn't get a hold of half of the information, which she thought was very convenient. Um, and why is that always the case? Like in all of these unsolved cases that we talk about, it's always half of the information was missing. Mm -hmm. Um, a Johnson and Johnson employee, Scott Bartz wrote a book titled the Tylenol mafia marketing murder and Johnson and Johnson saying that the (laughs) real culprit was likely a Johnson and Johnson employee in the repackaging or distribution channel. Um, not one bit of evidence ever supported the store itself or store shelf theory, except for the only fact that people bought Tylenol and then they died. Um, author Alan Bruce wrote a play based on this belief. Um, what? Yeah, we should do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to pitch you a show <laughs> in the middle of this podcast episode. Here we go. Theater pitch. Here we go. Um, what followed was a nationwide panic that altered consu- consumer confidence forever, and it stopped the nation in its tracks. But it's more than that. What uh, he discovered was a story of evil, corporate villainy, human stupidity, and human dignity that took my breath away. It was a quote from him. Very, very playwright of him. Um, <laughs> it's so theatrical. <laughs> yeah. It was later argued in a family lawsuit with Johnson & Johnson that Rayner purchased her Tylenol from an enclosed pharmacy, which would point to the theory that the pills were poisoned during the distribution process. Which basically, I think what they mean by enclosed pharmacy is like when you have to like physically go up to the like the uh the, the, yeah like the no, counter the knock on the knock why are we knocking on the glass like they're in an enclosure like the pharmacist is in an enclosure and you know sometimes they are out. i mean they are right now you know so. maybe we <laughs> that's true everyone's living in a plastic box but so it's i'm gonna put on my lame ass sherlock holmes hat here so it's either an employee of johnson and johnson doing this or someone higher up who just like wants to take down Johnson and Johnson from mostly, the inside. It mostly seems like the theory is that it was someone who poisoned during the distribution process. So just an employee. Um, but the story for years had been how Johnson and Johnson reacted smoothly in the face of an unpredictable tragedy. So like it almost seemed like they were just like they knew something had happened internally and they were just trying to cover it up. Do you think maybe they knew about it before they released it, like, before the the murders actually started? Like, what I'm trying to say is, do you think they caught on earlier than they're saying they caught on to it? And they were just letting it play out so that way they already had a a safety net in place. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's evil, though. Like, that's evil. It's evil, but that's how I feel at this point when it comes to Big Pharma. Yeah. Anything is possible. It's 2021. I'm just saying maybe they knew about it. Mm-hmm. Well, funny you should say and that because nothing. I have a bit in here that says uh, apparently, according to the New York Times, uh, a New York Times story published in 2010, it was called the perfect public relations response. So exhibit A in the lesson book on forthright crisis management. So it's too it's too easy. Like it, it just seems too smooth. Of a response from them. Mm-hmm. Anytime something seems too good to be true, it probably is. That's why I've just, you know, yeah. I don't trust it. I know. 
Um, there have been several, uh, there have been, so basically, yeah, that's, there, there's many theories, most of them, most of them because of what the media did at the beginning of this, pointing towards someone mm -hmm. who just randomly poisoned bottles of Tylenol and sent them back into the shelves. But what seems like it would be more of a, it seems like it would be more right to say that it was someone in the distribution factory because then that way it makes more sense that these were so random. Like distribution wise, the like the skid, say the skid of Tylenol that was poisoned would be would have been sent out to the same region, but maybe distributed amongst like it would have been in the same car, it would have been in the same truck, but maybe like one box mm -hmm. got dropped off at this pharmacy, pharmacy, one box got dropped off at the next, you know? So at that point, it's pure chance, mm -hmm. which is just even worse. Yeah, exactly. The, the fact that it was like, obviously things that are targeted are bad, but just the sheer bad the, luck of picking up Tylenol at the pharmacy my thing, and it being that one that's poisoned. My thing about, this is the thing premeditated targeted murder is one thing and that's like horrendous even more horrifying are the people who don't even have the like are so psychotic and so hungry for murder that they're random about mm -hmm. it is even more terrifying like people who don't have yeah. mo's people who literally are just out to murder anyone that's terrifying like it's the pure chaos of it yeah um so um there have been several events in american history that some point to as the day america lost its innocence 9-11 being one the assassin of assassination of john f kennedy and the kent state massacre being another one um and then these chicago tylenol murders also being another that people often cite as loss of american innocence um some even pointing to describe it as the first act of terrorism um which i mean if it had gone farther maybe yeah um yeah uh this being described further as uh in that there was no intended victim just random victims not unlike what happens not unlike what happens in the world today when people throw pipe bombs uh, so the Tylenol murders need to be included in the list of American tragedies that changed the world forever um, and events that forced Americans to lose their innocence because there's nothing more innocent than shopping for medicine at the local grocery store. And in 1982, that process was changed forever and it came at quite a cost, seven human lives. That's, it, it's, it, it is tragic, right? Yeah. Like it's the same way it's little changes that you don't think have a big effect. But I, before ever hearing, I heard about this story, I think a couple years ago, but before ever hearing about this, I never questioned why there was a safety seal on that. And like, it as just a kid, makes I never sense. Questioned. Yeah. It just makes sense to me, but I never questioned as well. Why? Like the airport is the way that it is. Right. And like our parents experienced a completely different mm. world. Yeah, exactly. Like we were, we were live when nine 11 happened, but we weren't, old enough yeah. to know what it was like before that no it's no, like no, it's no. like i I've, I've only known a post 9-11 on like a like a, on a more innocent scale like i remember dialing a phone number before area codes were a thing 
you know oh, like yeah. i remember calling my friend and it just being a number and not an area code for where we lived and a number you know it used to be a seven digit number not a 10 digit number yeah. um but mm-hmm. then we got too many numbers just in the world phones became too popular so they had to add area codes that's like a that's like a basic like nice thing you know but it's shit like that it's just like mm-hmm. you have to like think about like you always think about like what changed to make this a thing and like looping back to what we're talking about at the beginning of the episode it's going to be weird to see the way that security is now security it's going to be like i mean like this kind of ties into like how like what's it what's the world going to be like post-covid like is it going to be just like commonplace now for people to just wear masks when they go out like maybe not you like obviously it won't be like mandatory but do you think like after this people are just gonna like wear masks more normally like they do in like like they do like there are so many countries in asia that like it's commonplace that you wear a mask when you're sick that's just like i think i honestly think that should be commonplace i i was like i think of how many things i used to touch before this and like not wash my hands like you know like elevator buttons or like escalator handle or railing public stairs i and like not wash my hands after touching those surfaces before covid and now it's just like i'm constantly scrubbing my hands so i think people are both going to be more aware of physical touching and or gravitate towards it at the same time yeah i don't know people a lot of people are gonna need hugs after this um (laughs) very true yes (laughs) yes yes uh that was what an episode i feel so upset yeah (laughs) sorry i (laughs) need some i need to curl up under a blanket maybe eat some comfort food yeah i'm gonna uh, and try not to cry i'm gonna go back to playing stardew valley after this (laughs) oh nice okay so Let's do like a video game corner to end this off. Then you, you're playing Stardew Valley. I'm playing. That's I'm, cool. I'm. Is, that, is vol- that like an Animal Crossing? It's basically Animal Crossing with more farming, and you can date people. Oh, it's like an my dream. It's like an. I would recommend it. It's like fourteen dollars for your computer. I have an old ass, used twenty thirteen MacBook Air, and it runs smoother than The Sims on this guy. Like it like no where can you download it um you can download it on steam if you have steam you can download it on nice i think if you just google it you can find a download for it like you have to buy it but it's just like it's a nice little it's a calming farming simulator where you can date someone it's 8-bit so it's like very cute to look at the music is very calming that's nice yeah that's nice that there's dating yeah and in stardew yeah is it like the sims like can your like person like move in yeah like they like you have to you basically have to like like give them gifts to earn to earn their uh love um and then eventually harvest moon it's exactly so it's exactly like harvest moon people people say those two things are very similar okay i remember harvest moon on the flip side of your soothing video games i just downloaded assassin's creed valhalla nice and that is (laughs) i've been I've been fucking shit up as a female Viking, and you know what? <laughs> Where you're you're playing a calming video game, I'm playing this rage filled. 
That's very violent video game. And that's what makes me feel calm. That's very um, fair. You, I say, listen, I say I've been playing uh, Val, what is it, Stardew Valley. I've also been playing yeah. the video game Hades, which is a dungeon scroller where you just destroy mythical creatures. So, like... That also sounds glorious. Yeah. But basically, we're recommending that it... It's just... Reading is great. I've been reading... A, I'm reading a book series right now. And, like, doing other creative things are great. But sometimes you just want to sit in front of, like, um, like a movie or, like, a video game that you can completely just separate from reality yeah. for a little while. Yeah, exactly. You need a break. You need a fantasy-filled break. That's what... Go forth and have a fantasy-filled Friday. Yes. Yeah. Have a fantasy filled have Friday. Fantastical Fridays, everyone. Yeah. Peace out. Bye bye.